0: Oh, wonderful! Great to hear the uh, chatter. Don't think I'm on. Can you hear me? Is that right? Wonderful. Can't always tell whether I'm on or whether I'm off, but I think I'm on. So fantastic! Yeah, uh, great to hear the chatter. Please hang around. At the end, We've got tea and coffee and cake, and also we have a student lunch today. So, um, some of you are clearly too old for that, but um, some of you are clearly young enough for that. So, uh, so that's after the service. Um, Yeah, so please stay. If you're a student, you're very welcome to stay behind. You'll love it. The food is always good. The fellowship is always good. So, do please join us for that student lunch. So, over the last few weeks, since September, we've been having a series um, called... Lord, teaches to pray based on the Lord's Prayer, and for the last few weeks we've been covering different aspects of what this really means. We've had um, 100 hours of prayer over the course of a week where people have been booking out an hour to come and pray in our prayer room. We'll probably do it again sometime during the year because all the sessions were full and uh, it just went down so well. People were so blessed uh, with this 100 hours of prayer. We finished off on a Friday night. It was just fantastic. Uh, able to celebrate. Now, I don't think that the disciples quite knew what they were letting themselves in for when they asked the Lord Jesus, Lord, will you teach us to pray? How significant that re- request would be. And of course, we get from it what we know as the Lord's Prayer, which um, if you went, you know, most adults today would just be able to recite the Lord's Prayer. It is so familiar. It's been around for about 2,000 years. And when you break it down, Jesus has given us so many key things about prayer. Now, we're going to touch on one or two this morning. I'm not going to speak as long as normal because we've had a lot of great input so far within the service. But I reckon one of the things that prompted them to ask the Lord Jesus this question is because they just saw his personal relationship with the Father. And it's no coincidence when Jesus begins and says, well, this is how you pray. He begins with, well, you go before God and say, our Father, which would have been incredibly radical for them to see God as a Father that they could be personal with and have intimacy with, our Father who art in heaven. And most religions or even secular people will pray for this reason, God has placed eternity within our hearts. There's an awareness that there is someone bigger than ourselves, that there is a creator. And the most amazing thing is, John Altberg says, a preacher in he says, in Jesus, God is closer than you think. God is closer than you think. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, if you've received him into your life, God is closer than you think. And the disciples saw this intimacy that Jesus has with his Father. And when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, they were saying, Lord, I want that. I want that. And I don't know about you, the reason I wanted to become a Christian is because I saw the reality of God in other people's lives, and I thought, I want that. I want that for myself. And that's why the disciples, or one of the reasons I'm saying, Lord, teach us to pray pray. But I also think that there's another reason. There's a second reason. There might have been several reasons that the the disciples asked the Lord Jesus this particular question or request Lord teaches to pray. And the second one I reckon is because they had seen what happened when Jesus prayed for people. They saw the impact that that made on people's lives when Jesus prayed for them. Now, let's just pick up a couple of verses that not just backs this up, but reveals this to us from Luke chapter 4, verse 38 to 40. Just on one occasion, early on in Jesus' ministry, only at chapter 4 of Luke, verse 38 says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. This is Simon Peter. And they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent down over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Then verse 40 says, At sunset the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and and he laid his hands on them, and they were healed. So Simon Peter, one of the disciples that says, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, he sees Jesus heal his mother-in-law. That's grace, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But it's just, a, did I say that out loud. Anyway, we can love that, rub that off the screen. Anyway, uh, online service. But it's amazing. So Peter had seen this. So when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, they'd seen the miracles that Jesus performed firsthand, all these incredible answers to pray. So when Jesus goes through the Lord's Prayer, or when you look at it, he talks about intimacy with God. He talks about prayers of petition. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. He talks about praying prayers of intercession, praying that people's lives will be changed. Pete Gregg in his book, Lord Teaches to Pray, says all too easily, my prayers can mostly be about me, but intercession requires my center of gravity to shift away from my own personal needs towards those of others, And the disciples thought, saw that Jesus' intimacy with his Father, but also when he prayed for others, things happened. And they were saying, Lord, we want to do this. We want to pray in this kind of way as well. We want to see people's lives changed. So they'd seen Jesus pray outside of religious gatherings. They'd seen Jesus pray even outside of his own quiet time, and saw people's lives be transformed. Now, of course, Jesus did say that when they kind of prayed, they shouldn't do it out in the open in such a way that is showing off. We don't want people to be seen you as showing off when you pray. So let me read a couple of verses what Jesus meant by this. So Matthew chapter 5, uh, 6, verse 5 to 6. Let me read a couple of verses here. Matthew chapter six, verse five to 6, verses 5 to 6 says this When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the sweet corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their f- reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, or some versions it says closet, pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who's seen what he's done in secret will, be, will reward you. And don't be like those who pray; you keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. So, in some ways, Jesus is saying, "Don't pray in the open." But what is He really getting at here? Now, I remember a friend of mine who, named Paul, and he became a Christian actually through Christians ministering on the streets in the centre of Newcastle. And um, so, Paul was a Satanist. And he believed in the power of Satan but when he saw the power of God he realised that he was on the wrong track now Paul was a very radical Christian with his faith he loved sharing his testimony I remember taking him to school within a week of becoming a Christian and sharing his testimony but it's interesting a friend of mine called Robert kind of mentored him and discipled him and within two weeks of Paul becoming a Christian Robert went round to Paul's house to meet with him so he knocked on the door Paul's wife answers the door and says, Paul's upstairs. And so Robert goes upstairs, knocks on Paul's door, doesn't hear anything, so he goes in. Paul wasn't in the room. He thought, where is Paul? And he just shouts, Paul, where are you? Well, he was in the wardrobe. Because he'd read that morning that Jesus says, when you pray, don't pray in a way that shows off. Go into your closet... So Robert found Paul praying in his wardrobe because he thought that is where you pray. Strangely enough, within two or three days after that, Paul is on the street praying for people to be healed because there's an aspect of prayer that we do quietly on our own, but there's an aspect of prayer that we have to take outside. It has to go beyond our quiet times, beyond the four walls of a church, beyond a prayer room, out into... open and the disciples saw Jesus praying in an intimate way but he also saw Jesus praying for people and God was meeting people and changing people's circumstances so they were saying Lord please teach us to pray now I just love the fact that we had a prayer room for a 100 hours I love the fact that we have our Unite prayer meetings but there's an aspect of prayer that needs to go outside it needs to go beyond our own prayers for ourselves. It has to go and meet and connect with people. Now, some of you might be thinking, Phil, this is a really big step. This is a really big jump. And I, can, I, can, I can understand you're encouraging us and challenging us to go in a prayer room for an hour and to pray on our own. Now you're asking us to take prayer outside. I just want to sow something within your hearts and within your minds. I want to sow something within your hearts, that this is something that is for us. Somehow, somehow, the disciples realize, Lord Jesus, how you pray, somehow this is for us as well. This is something that needs to be part of what it means for us to follow you. And I just want to sow one or two seeds within our hearts today that God can use us to pray for other people. Now, I love the fact, as you go through after the disciples put this request to the Lord Jesus, I just love the fact that as time moves on, their confidence grew that God was going to use them. Jesus sent out the 12, then he sends out the 20. We know on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit pours upon them. And then they take it all outside, don't they? So what happened in that upper room when was 120 went outside straight away. What God gives us has to go outside. It has to bless other people. And I love the fact that um, after Jesus ascended to heaven and the early stages of the church, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the ninth hour, same time that Jesus died on the cross. They were going to the place of prayer. As they walked into the temple courts, they came across somebody, didn't they? A crippled beggar by the gate, beautiful. The beggar looked at them, thinking that he was going to get something from them, some silver and gold, but I don't think that they were carrying any money. Um, It was just card machines back then. I don't think there was any cash, just card machines. And he didn't have a card machine, clearly. But they said, didn't they, silver and gold we do not have. He said, look at us, look at us. I don't know whether they were looking kind of dishevelled. anyway. He said, look at us, silver and gold, we do not have. Then the next line is awe-inspiring. But what we do have. But what we do have, we will give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And this guy stands up. He doesn't just walk. He says he was running Leaping, hopping, he was a real Pentecostal, this guy I mean he was straight in there and praising God, and he just you know and there 's a whole commotion because people understood this guy had been there for years and years and years, and he says there was great joy in that city because of what God had done now prayer in one sense you don 't show it off, but prayer is not to be totally hidden it 's not to just be behind. Closed doors. And Richard Foster says this in his great book, Celebration of Discipline. He says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them more than within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer because intercession is a way of loving other people. Because we can bring something that we cannot give them. Now, in the book of James, fantastic book of the Bible, it talks about, you know, this contrast between prayer and practical action. He said, you know, sometimes you can respond practically to people so you don't just pray for them because you can practically respond. Don't hide behind prayer when you can practically uh, help people, uh, a bit like, you know, save families and things like that. And that's why I love organizations that God has risen up in recent times to demonstrate his love in practical ways. It's been amazing how God's hand has been upon that. Uh, a number of years ago, through Christians Against Poverty, with helping people out of debt or find a way out of debt, just at the right time, God rises, raises up this organization. If you're not familiar with Christians Against Poverty, have a look online. But it's, it's helped tens of thousands of people come out of debt. And, and debt is one of the biggest things that divides family and brings thoughts through suicide. And it's just God's grace that he rises, raises up the, that organization. I love street pastors. There's an organization called Street Pastors. There where teams of Christians going to city centers on a Friday and Saturday night. There's a lot of young people out that are drinking. I don't know if you've been in the city center on a Friday and Saturday night. But some of them get so intoxicated that they don't know where they are. Don't even know what city that they're in. Never mind find a way home. And street pastors are just there, say just there, as the grace of God to make sure that they're safe, to make sure that they're all right. Now, this is God, isn't it? This is God's heart for people. How many lives have been saved through this is, is amazing. And we, Helen has talked about safe families. I love safe families. I just love the fact that God loves to support parents. And to make sure that children are okay. And, and God, you know, there's food banks as well that's been raised up by all kinds of organizations. So when God, you know, ha- sends somebody to help somebody to find a way out of debt or support a family or a young person is rescued on the street, this is the manifest presence of God in action. And the book of James says this is so important. But there's also times when it lends itself that we take prayer to people and we pray for people as well. As Richard Foster said, if you truly love people, we'll desire for them more than within our power to give them. And there are times when we're with people in a situation or had a conversation, it just lends itself for us to say, "Do you know, you might not believe in God in the same way as I do, but I'd I just like to pray for you at this moment in time. I've never had anybody where this has been a problem to. Occasionally, they said, no, that's fine. And I said, okay, I'll go away and pray for you. Most people say, yeah, I would like you to pray for me. We're going to look at the practicals of, of that in a moment very quickly. But I picked this up when I, not just when I went had a visit to Argentina, I, I went to a conference there, somebody paid for me to go. Um... Somebody says, I'd like to pray for you to go to this conference in Argentina. And I thought, well, I best pray that it's God's will, but I didn't pray for very long. I just thought that it was because I wanted to go to Argentina. So. But it was great because they were seeing a bit of a revival there. Intercession of prayer was very powerful within our nation. The, the churches were united. There was a, a move of God. And one of the things they loved to do was to pray for people uh, outside of the church context and I won't go into all the detail, it was very entertaining, very interesting but I remember once 200 of us church leaders from the UK were in this restaurant and the guy leading the conference had uh, shared We'd eaten; it was really good and it was a massive restaurant and uh, there was all the waiters around and listening to him talk and he just said that all of you waiters have been here, you've been serving us really well, we really bless you, we're going to give you a big tip that we did. And he says, how many of you would like us to pray for you? We're all Christians, and we're nearly all church leaders there. He said, how many of you would like us to pray for Every one of them put their hands up. He said, I'd love for you to pray for us. So we just gathered around and prayed for them. We suggested that uh, in Brunner's areas where um, taxi drivers live in a bit of fear, then, you know, if you go, give them a good tip and offer to pray for them. Every taxi driver was happy for us to pray for them. People are open in the right time, in the right way, for us to offer to pray for them. But let me just give you five small tips, if I may. Because you might think, this is just so unreachable. What does this really look like? So I'm going to give five very brief, time is moving on, very quick tips. First one is this. This is not just for super Christians. This is not just for super Christians. Now, you might look at it and say, well, the gap between me and the disciples spiritually is, 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 is massive. Well, what about the gap between the disciples and Jesus? It's even bigger, isn't it? And Jesus says, you can, you can do this. As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Matthew 28, make disciples of all people, baptizing them and commanding them to do everything that I have commanded you. Pass this on to other people. So in one sense, we've already been sent. And as John Wimber says, Everyone can play. This is for everyone. So this is not just for super Christians. Secondly, it makes sense to start really small. It makes sense to start small. Sometimes when we're going to pray for something or pray for somebody, we think we've got to raise the dead straight away. Or we have got to pray these really big prayers which we're not too confident necessarily that God is going to answer. But we can start small. There's a verse in uh, the Bible that says, for those who prophesy, prophesy according to your faith. Let it build up. Let it grow. And that happens when we pray for people. And, and Pete Gregney's book, Teaches How to Pray, says before praying, the obvious prayers for someone who's sick. Try asking God how he wants us to pray for them. So if somebody's really unwell, it's not as if we've got to necessarily expect that they're going to get well. You might say, well, that's, that's negative faith. No, it's not, because we can pray that God comes in and meets with them. It's up to God, isn't it? I mean, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, I sowed, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. It, it, it's up to the Lord, isn't it? But the point is, we can offer to pray for people. You know, we can flex those spiritual muscles. We don't have to always go for the big things straight away. Now, early in the summer, I started to do some press-ups in the morning every day. I don't know why that's funny. (laughs) I don't know why that's funny, but for some reason, that's funny. So I thought, how many I could do to start off? Because, you know, I don't want to kind of push it too far, so I thought, you're still laughing, stop laughing, I thought, (laughs) I thought I'm going to do six every day, six, was that over the course of a week, there was somebody nearly clapped there, thank you very much, (laughs) I thought I'm going to do six every day, and that was before the summer, so now we're in week, so I'm now doing 21 every day, Ah, oh, there you go. Not laughing now. Thank you. <laughs> you have to build up those spiritual. <laughs> do you know, these spiritual muscles as well. That's the point I'm getting to. Because sometimes you think if we're going to pray for somebody, we've got to pray. If they're really you, we've got to, you know, we stretch our spiritual muscles and we do it bit by bit. And we start with those things that we're confident in praying for, and it builds up. If we offer to pray for somebody, do it in a way that makes them feel comfortable. They have to feel comfortable. Don't be weird. Don't do anything weird. I encourage you not necessarily to pray for somebody from the opposite sex or to you know, ask children to pray for them. But you don't need to do anything strange. So in church, you might lay a hand on the shoulder. You don't have to do that if you're praying for somebody in a different place. You don't need to pray loudly so that everybody hears. You don't need to pray out in tongues either so that everybody hears. You don't need to pray a long prayer as well. Jesus says you don't have to use loads of words because your Father in heaven knows exactly what you're praying for. Let me say this. God is just looking to reveal himself to people. He's looking to reveal his love to to people, and I hope this is sowing something within our hearts. Now, sometimes people say, you know, we're a Pentecostal church, we need to be more Pentecostal, but that doesn't mean we've got... Pentecostalism is not a style. It doesn't mean we've always got to be loud. What it means is we do things in the appropriate way, but we believe that God will meet with people by the power of his Holy Spirit in a very gentle way, because God knows how people can receive things. So we do it for others in an engaging, sensitive, and respectful way. Fourthly, it isn't about what somebody might deserve. We might think, I I know their lifestyle. I don't think they deserve to pray for them, or I don't deserve God to meet with them or bless them. Let me say this. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save the world. And God is just looking for ways to demonstrate His grace to people who don't deserve it because we didn't deserve it in the first place. So it's amazing we get the chance to go and pray for people. Now, this was brought home to me very quickly when I went over to Norway. I did a lot of traveling when I was a bit younger. I remember going to Norway, and um, in the 80s, then uh, we used to pray for a lot of people on the streets, actually. And around Europe, Christians were just confident of praying for people on the street. I remember we had a band. It was good. They played. There was drama. Then suddenly, kind of share a few thoughts. And then we'd say, we've got a team all around this in, in the center of... Tonsberg it was in Norway this team all the way around if you'd like somebody to pray for you then we'd love to pray for you and then team members would go out and they would wander around and say do you want us to pray for you do you want to pray for you and some people would some people wouldn't a lot of people would but I remember my mate Steve going to this, this gang of lads and they, were quite, they looked quite tough and he's quite brave going up and saying do you want me to pray You know, is there anything you can pray for and they all burst out laughing because there was a guy there, who was really well built, who'd, who'd fractured his foot, and they were egging him on to be prayed for. So Steve took his life in his hands and said, "I will pray for you. I will pray for you. Um, what's wrong with your foot?" He says "A fractured foot uh, happened a few days ago. He says, "How did it happen?" And, and he fractured his foot, kicking somebody. <laughs> That's how he fractured his foot. So Steve knew that the idea was that we prayed for people, so he couldn't really back out now. But I've never seen anybody pray so long in my life. It was as if he was fearful of him not being healed and what was going to happen, and Steve was going to be the next person to get another kicking. But what was transpired, because I didn't know all this full story until Steve stopped praying after about five minutes, and this guy clearly got up, And he walked around the square, banking his foot on the ground, trying to make the pain come back. But the pain would not come back. Because Jesus had healed his foot. Even after kicking... He got it after kicking somebody. See, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And God is looking to reveal something of who he is. And sometimes just sensitively, you know, sometimes just offering to pray for somebody is, is an act of God's love we think something dramatic has to happen, Do you know, some people are melted by the fact they're just aware that God loves them enough to be, to offer to pray for them, so they're just i just sowing some seeds, and finally finally, finally, um, fifth one fifth one say this in the right way, we're allowed to just pray we're allowed to just I remember somebody couldn't speak in my previous church and sometimes at meetings, aren't we, or in connect groups and say, oh, we're just going to pray or let's just pray. Now, he was a bit annoyed at this. He says, just pray, just pray. Prayer is the most amazing thing that we can do. You can't just say, just pray. And Oswald Chambers kind of backed it up, kind of. He says in this, he says, the real business of your life is interest, intercessory prayer. Prayer does not fit us for greater work. Prayer is the greater work. It is a powerful work. I don't have a problem with the phrase let's just pray in some respects. Particularly when it comes to people outside the church for this reason. It is great if we get the opportunity when somebody shared something with us to say I would just like to pray that God strengthens you. I'm just going to pray that God helps you to find a way through. I'm just going to pray that you get the doctor's appointment that is going to help you. I'm just going to pray there's a breakthrough in that house sale. I'm just going to pray that that interview goes well. I'm just going to pray that God provides. I'm just going to pray that you know something of God's peace in this situation. We can do that, can't we? We can do that. Now, I'm not saying once you leave here, after the service, you jump on everybody. There's a bit of a sense of God's leading, isn't it? But when we connect with people and... God touches our hearts. Just have a sense. I'd just love to pray for you. And you know, sometimes we just don't know until we step out. William Booth says this, doesn't he? He says, you know, we pray for a move of God, but God is waiting for us to be the move of God, that when we step out, He will begin to move and meet with people. So we're going to pray. I'm going to invite the band to come forward. I you listened really well. I hope you got the gist. Sometimes, you know, when we share on a Sunday morning... We can't cover every aspect, but we say, Lord, you know, join up the dots. What does this mean for me? And we're going to pray for those that you're saying, Lord, this is on my heart, this morning. Now, some of you would like to step out in practical ways and demonstrate God's love. For some of you, God has kind of laid on your heart different groups of people, and your prayer is, God, how can I serve and help these people but some of you, I'm sure, would love to step out and take on occasions, prayer outside of your own quiet times, or the own, you know, the four church walls, and to say, "God, I'd just love to occasionally have that courage and boldness in the right time, in the right place, for the right situations, to say, "Can I pray for you and see what God does?" let's stand to our feet shall we have been sitting for a while let's just uh, close our eyes for a moment not going to prolong this but just very simply going can ask this question if your request this morning or you have a request Lord teach me to pray And your heart and your desire this morning is that you would love to just have God's leading, God's direction, and the courage to offer to pray for people in different situations. I'd love to pray for you this morning, but why don't you raise your hand because you're saying, God, Lord, I'm here. Please teach me to pray. Let me grow in confidence here and recognize those opportunities that you've placed before me this is nothing to force this is something that God does gently it's not something to you know Jesus says my yoke is easy my burden is light but it's just something on your heart Lord please 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 do something in me that helps me to step out that little bit in bringing something of who you are out there outside Lord I do thank you for those Lord that are responding to this that you're laying this desire This thirst, Lord, upon our hearts. And Lord, our our prayer is that you release your grace upon us, Lord. We recognize you've given us everything we need already for life and to godliness. But Lord, we do pray for a fresh touch of your spirit. A fresh touch, Lord, of your grace. a, A fresh discernment, Lord, of what you're saying to us, of when to step out, when to offer prayer, And then, Lord, when we pray, that you would really inspire us what to pray for in that situation. Lord, our heart is, Lord, that you would use us. Our heart is, Lord, that you would use us. We want to take hold of this opportunity, Lord. And, Father, we pray that you'd sow something within our hearts this morning that gives us the confidence to do what you've commissioned us to do. Lord, we look forward to how you're going to use us. Lord, we know we're going to make mistakes. But we know, Lord, as we respond to you, new things are going to happen in us and through us. We commit each other to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.